What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode number 44 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, April 26th. I am Josh motherfucking Cannon, and we are here with Mike, who sometimes gives his last name out, sometimes doesn't. He started out not doing it, and then he did, and so now fuck it. Brown, what's up, Mike? Yeah, Mike motherfucking Brown over here. All right, um... Yeah, I'm doing good, actually. Uh, I got a volunteer job at a horror blog called thefarsidedblog.com. No way! Uh, go check that out. Uh, I am writing reviews on that blog and everything, and uh, I'm going to get screeners sent to me in the mail no way. in the future, as well as uh, you know some digital screeners and stuff like that. Uh, I got another job fair. I'm going to go to tomorrow. Wait, wait, hold well. on, hold on. How, how did you get that thing, which I knew nothing about? I, I was on Facebook. I was on a Facebook group and where they sell DVDs and Blu-rays. This guy showed that he had a bunch of these screeners. And I was like, well, how did, how did and he's talking about he got them from his blog. And I'm like, well, how do you get into that sort of thing? Because I've always wanted to write for a blog or write for a site or something and get screeners sent to me because it's a really cool thing because you can get a screener sent to you to keep it if you are. want screeners are uh, early release uh, uh physical copies of movies and stuff like that so before they come out uh in retail or before they're available to purchase online uh, screeners get sent out by the distributors to uh reviewers and stuff like that to check out so I've always wanted to do that, and now I, I have that opportunity. Now it doesn't pay, but getting the screeners is a, is a nice added incentive because uh, some of them that means I don't have to pay for those titles later. Because so are these movies that are the are these movies that are yet to come out? You're going to get a, an advanced copy. Yeah, basically. Now what they are, they can be old or newer films. Uh, a lot of them are going to be, uh, there's going to be a few of them are going to be Arrow releases. And Arrow Video is a great company, so I'm really looking forward to getting some screeners uh, from them uh, and from my employer, so to speak. He's a really cool guy. Uh, he just He's letting me just write as long as I want, uh, be as detailed as I want to, uh, I even said I could swear in the in the reviews if I want to as well, but you know I'm gonna leave that for choice. You know things. Like if the movie's really bad, then maybe I might tear it up a little bit. But um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm still waiting for my first review is already up. And, and where, where can where can people go and find this shit? It, it's on thefarsidedblog.com. Thefarsidedblog.com. All right, well, I'll have to put a link in the description for that because, wow, I had no idea about that. That's really cool. Yeah, so also I'm going to be going to another job fair at Goodwill tomorrow. This time it's going to be one that is right near – it's it's the one that's right close to me. It's uh, – and um, they actually are going to have interviews – at the fair for the Goodwills in Portland and Vancouver. So I'm hoping I, I'm in part of the job connection at that Goodwill. So I'm hoping that maybe something, you know, will work out and I can get a job at that Goodwill. That would be great. Because Walmart basically went nowhere. The interview went fine. Uh, I got the impression that the guy actually was impressed with me, but I think he either bullshitted me or they just gave me the runaround. 
or a bit of both. And, you know, it is what it is. I, they just took one look at me, decided I couldn't do warehouse work because I guess I, I don't look like a guy who can do that kind of work. And I, I know I'm not super, super buff, but I mean, I, in the job description, it does not say you have to lift 100 pounds or anything like that. So and I'd get stronger as I go along. It, it's just one of those things. It's just like whatever, you know, Uh I would think that since you need 40 employees to help with maintenance, to help build uh, and help uh, put together your new store, uh, your remodeling, you'd like to get the guy who is literally within walking distance of your store, but apparently not. So it, it, it's just – it is what it is. Uh, WCU Vancouver, though, everything's going well over there. I'm going to get a humanities bachelor in English and another uh, subject – and a minor in film studies. I can't start the minor in film studies until after I get uh, my uh, bachelor's in humanities and English and the other topic and whatever until I get that all situated. So, um, yeah, so it, it's everything's going well so far. Are they uh, my actually... birthday's next Tuesday, so <clears throat> I got my birthday coming up. I'm going to be turning 28. And uh, so I got a lot of stuff going on. And no, they're actually going to have Ferris wheels at this job fair. <laughs> no, they don't have Ferris wheels well, at this that job then. fair. Why would you want to go to that? And as for other stuff, uh, I did I did go to the beach with my, my family uh, last weekend. That was a lot of fun. And I also, on the, on, speaking of Unsolved Mysteries, I did my usual uh, perusal of uh, eBay. I was around on eBay, checking in, looking at uh, to see if there's any unsolved mysteries, you know, deals on DVDs and stuff. And I finally was able to get an affordable copy of the Ghosts uh, DVD set. So uh, that was really cool. So just in time for my birthday. So that's a nice early birthday present. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, and, and you were saying earlier, those things, well, earlier before we started recording. Well, I was recording. You can hear that at the very, very end of the <laughs> podcast. Um you said those things normally retail for like what fifty bucks now? They're getting yeah, like it was like fifty bucks. I mean, or even more than that. I know that actually the sets themselves, I believe they were more than twenty bucks when they actually first came out. So I've been really lucky and really blessed to be able to find uh, these sets, all of these sets that I've gotten, uh, except for one that actually got uh, it was a gift to me from one of our listeners. And uh, the other ones I found for less than 30 bucks, less than retail. Uh, and one of the, the best deal, the ghost one is nice, but that's also kind of a fairly common one. But uh, some of the people who sell it just charge a bit too much for it. But, and it's actually, I, I saw that set before in a store and I didn't get it along with the UFOs one years ago. So now I finally have it. But, the Bizarre Murders one I got, that that was a killer deal because that was brand new for like 17, like for 20 bucks or something shipped. So, um, yeah, so it pays to uh, be patient, folks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like that with Craigslist and eBay, in. too. Um, you know, anytime you're on Craigslist or eBay, you know, um, well, not oh, yeah, eBay, you know, of course, but Craigslist as well, you know, like... Um, for me, I like to collect uh, retro games. I know everybody in my age group does. Um, most everybody. 
But yeah, like, you know, you think that there's no deals to be had, but I mean, if you check that shit every single day, you will find a deal eventually, and you just have to keep at it. I mean, it's like fishing. You just got to keep fishing till you get a bite, you know, and, and they're, yeah. they're out there. And apparently, you know, some people, I, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's a lot of people have said this to me. They're like, man, like, wh what is it about you <sighs> and being able to find this kind of stuff? And I guess if there is a God, he knows what I like <laughs> and he seems to always point me in the right direction or in the right place at the right time. Uh, you just assumed God's stuff. gender, uh, triggered, I'm triggered. <laughs> uh, ooh. um, yeah, I had a, I had a, I, I had a pretty, um, good week, I guess myself. Uh, probably the biggest thing that I did, which I have a vlog about it up already. I went and saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers live uh, a few days ago. Um, they were pretty good. I don't know how many of you out there are fans of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know you know who they are. They're like one of the last legendary bands out now, as far as like you know rock bands that have been out for a you know a good while. Um, they were pretty good. Um, Flea is a legend. Um, Chad Smith, the drummer, one of the most solid rock and roll drummers out there. Um, their newest guitar player in the band, Josh Klinghoffer, who, who replaced John Frusciante, the legendary John Frusciante. I, I don't know, man. He's, he's just really sloppy live. Like, he was just... Uh, his solos were sloppy. He wasn't playing the actual solos in the song, which I know that's kind of like creative license sometimes. Like these musicians, when they play live, they'll they'll kind of stray off the beaten path and do something different live than what you hear on the record. My personal school of thought with that is, if I know the solo, I know the song, I know how it's supposed to sound, I want to hear that replicated live. I don't want to hear your artistic interpretation of, well, I know that's how I laid it down on the record, but but on stage I just felt no, fuck all that. I, I want I want the song that I like replicated right then right there in front of me. That's the magic of seeing a band live. And when you don't do that and you play some iteration or some dicking around solo, I don't I just don't like that. And that's kind of what he did. Um, I sat, uh, I got floor seats for the first time ever. I actually ponied up the hundred and something bucks it was for a floor seat ticket. Uh, this was months ago when I actually bought the ticket. Uh, probably wouldn't spend the money on it now that I live on my own, but shit, I was still living with my parents when I bought that ticket. Uh, floor seats are very overrated, folks. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you've ever been to a concert and you've been on the floor, um, you know, all it takes is somebody a few inches taller than you to fuck up your entire experience as far as <laughs> being able to view the band. And that, that dude, it was like the stereotypical shit that you hear about. Like, I'm standing there, and the one six-foot-five guy stands in front of me. And I'm oh, just, great. And it's so fucking packed in at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Jacksonville. It's so packed in, and there's, like, seats that are bolted down, you know. Even though everyone's standing up... Like the seats prevent you from really moving around, so so you're not really getting past this guy. You have to just bob and weave your head around his stupid head. Stand uh, on your tiptoes. Yeah, like you have to you have to pretty much bob and weave like you're in a boxing match to like avoid this guy's head so you can see glimpses. Or jump of the in the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I just imagine Josh doing the bob and weaving, standing on his tiptoes, jumping, hopping. Hopping in the air. It was a fucking pain. In, it was a pain in the ass. And then, like, on top of all that, someone... It's probably not that comfortable to stand for that long, either. Well, I, 
being as as I'm a DJ and like I have to stand for three. And well, four you're probably and used to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm used to it. Um, I know. I know. I just said. But if you're not, yeah. Uh, people out there probably just heard me say, "Oh, I stand for three and four hours," and they're probably just rolling their eyes, going, "This motherfucker has not worked a hard day in his life." I have, motherfucker. Before you start judging me, <laughs> but I just happen to have a good job now. I have stood on my feet for seven, eight, nine hours before. And yeah, it sucks, but I have gotten used to standing on my feet for long periods of time. Um, another thing that happened at the show was someone kept ripping the nastiest farts. I, <laughs> Dude, they were brutal. They were crop dusting the whole, that whole section we were standing in. And the, the shitty thing is, shitty, no pun intended, you have no idea who's doing it. You literally, it could be anyone. So you can't really focus your hate on one particular person. You you're who- in that enclosed space. It's You're tightly packed together. The worst thing you want is somebody with bad gas. Was somebody? Did somebody eat too many Red Hot Chili Peppers? Is that is that it? All, it, they, it smelled like they they took it a little too far, and they were oh oh to eat some Red Hot Chili Peppers before I see Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> then ten minutes into the show, oh that was a mistake. But yeah, that happened. That was brutal. <laughs> and then the final thing that really pissed me off was, and this is this is everywhere now. This isn't just at a Chili Peppers concert. The band starts playing. What does everybody do? Hold their fucking cell phones up yeah. and start recording yeah. video with their shitty ass uh-huh. cell phones. And I'm just like face palming, like, what are you people? I saw this one guy who was like a super fan, apparently. He was had his camera re- recording the whole time. He was jumping around. He was shaking his, you know, shaking around shit. And I'm just looking at the video on his camera, just shaking. I'm like, dude, you're not going to go back and watch that. You are not. That's going to look horrible. It's going to look like fucking shit. And not only is it going to look like shit, it's going to sound even shittier. Because yeah. I don't care how how uh, evolved we get with video camera technology, we are never going to reach a point to where a pocket-sized cell phone is going to produce studio-quality sound. It's going to sound like shit. It's just never going to sound good. I'm sorry. Like, the video, okay, it might look good if you put it on a tripod and, you know, you can tweak the settings, all that. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my uh, experience. I did a well, more... I haven't, I haven't yet actually seen a band live, and I want to. Really? I mean, the closest I've seen is seeing some people at, you know, the people who play at the fair. But, Holy uh, shit, Mike. You've never seen a band live in concert? No, I, I really want to. Like, there have been times where I wish I had the money or, or wish my parents had the money and we could go see one you know because i wish i could have seen scorpions live or Dokken when they were still together or still actually touring um but you know it is what it is i mean maybe sometime in the future we'll see what happens when you know the stars align so to speak all right guys that's uh, that's where your patreon funds are going is to help mike actually see a concert i I can't (laughs) believe that that's crazy dude i've seen like probably 20 or 30 bands live and but then again yeah. i'm more music oriented i guess um you've well seen so it. i mean also you have uh yeah with red hot chili peppers just want to mention this real quick it seems like there's a recent sort of thing that's popped up that they're an overrated band and they only had one good album and then or they never had any good albums and so on i've seen that pop up online uh, no, that's not true at all. <laughs> they've, uh, <laughs> they've, uh, they've, well, first of all, they've been around for almost 30 years. Uh, yeah. they have like four different, um, time periods of, of their musical kind of stylings. They have their 
early 80s, like really funky, crazy shit with uh, Halal Slovak, the original guitar player. Then they have their late 80s, early 90s uh, stuff that got more kind of rock oriented. And then they got the 90s period, which was uh, kind of a weird growing pains period with Dave Navarro on guitar for one of their albums. And uh-huh. then they have their 2000s period, which is uh, probably their worst period, in my opinion, because their songs have just gotten really, really poppy. And uh, they've kind of strayed a little bit from their roots. Um, but no, they do. They've got. I mean, yeah, Blood Sugar Sex Magic is the album that everybody goes to and says, oh, yeah, that's the album that, you know, that's their best album. I personally, my favorite Chili Peppers album is Californication, which came out in 99. I got that album when I was in sixth grade, and uh, I just loved it. Uh, amazing album, yeah. still to this day. Amaz- I didn't really like how it was mixed and mastered. It was, I don't know if it's just a CD, but it's very bright sounding, and um, I, I know that's not how the original master recording probably sounds, so it's uh-huh. probably just a CD issue. But uh, anyway, all that uh, aside, I'm, I'm not super familiar with Red Hat Chili Peppers, so I know about them. I've heard a, maybe heard a few songs. Uh, one song was a sort of rap combo thing they did for a film called Shakedown. Uh, it was in it was in the late '80s. You know what the name of the song and, was? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Uh, and, uh, it was actually, I don't even think it was even officially released. Um, and what's also interesting about Red Hot Chili Peppers is there actually is some kind of unsolved mystery sort of thing. There's a, uh, kind of a tour, uh, video sort of thing that they did for the band from one of their albums that's technically known as Lost Media, uh, that they might have, uh, the tapes of, but they don't want to release it because they felt like it captured them at a bad time or or something like that you might know about that no i don't know anything about that i don't even know what lost the term lost media means well lost media is is actually pretty interesting it's uh there's uh, stuff where things are are you know it's like a movie or tv show that's just completely fallen off the face of the earth uh people can't find it it aired on tv once or something or it never aired or or it did, but in like limited uh, areas and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it's a subterranean homesick blues, which is a uh, cover, crazy cover of a Bob Dylan song that they did. Yeah, and Shakedown came out in 1988. So, okay, yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that song. Um, shit, this is turning into a music podcast, which I would have no fucking problem with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I know you guys are really here for the unsolved mysteries, so let's let's bust a load of unsolved mysteries all over your ear. Um, we're starting off here with a request. That sounded like the most douchiest, like uh, m- m- like early morning DJ, like the rock DJ thing. Is like, let's bust a load of unsolved mysteries all <laughs> over your ear. Rock one hundred five point seven, the Tiger. You're so. <laughs> <laughs> You're sounding like that the, those guys who made that fake, uh, you know, whole the whole fake uh, murder the, the tape. K, the K Rock DJs. Yeah, K Rock DJs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one we got here is um, uh, Mike just sent me something. I'm supposed to be subtle about that, but it just didn't happen. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> the red hot chili, chili, chili peppers. Um, the first one we're talking about is a request. Is a fan request. From which fan, you may ask? I have no fucking idea. I don't remember. I just write these things down, and I forget who requested them. 
Maybe that's offensive to some people. I should probably start putting the names of people who yeah, actually requested this stuff. Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. But I didn't do that this time. Um, I'm not a perfect person. Anyway. I'm a creep. <laughs> there you go. That's a whole other song, but you stitched it together beautifully. The name of this guy that we're talking about is Alex Cooper. Uh, I love this one. Uh, I... I forgot what this was about and then when i saw and when i actually rewatched the segment i was like oh yeah great choice whoever picked this um so alex cooper of cranbrook british columbia uh canada actually it's funny cranbrook i used to live on a uh, cranbrook court and i always thought that was the weirdest name for a street and i'm like what the fuck cranbrook court? what's a cranbrook um, yeah, is it a brook full of cranberries? Yeah, so it was kind of cool that this, there, there's a Cranbrook, British Columbia. Uh, Morgan, do you know about that? Um, so it was a, uh, he was a folksy, down-to-earth guy, and they show pictures of him playing guitar and all this other kind of stuff. Older guy, bald, you know, he looks like a, looks like a grand, grandfather to somebody. Uh, he's a family man. Uh, he loved nothing more than to spend time with his five adult children and his three grandchildren. Alex was a local businessman who worked in the cleaning industry. Then in 1986, he took a job as a salesman and began to spend some of his time on the road. Everyone who knew him agreed Alex Cooper was the last person you'd suspect to find in the center of a mystery. Then came the morning of April 4th, 1987, when Alex's daughter, Lila, and her husband, Pete, left Cranbrook for a shopping trip. Quoting Lila here, We left early that morning, about 7.30, to another city which was about a three-hour drive. And it was Pete that said, Oh, that's your dad's car. And it was. And it shows Alex's car on the side of the road. My dad and I were so close, Pete knew that if we didn't stop by and say hello, then I'd sulk about it all day. So we turned around, and we just walked right by the car, and we didn't pay much attention. And then we walked down to the riverbank. We assumed he was just fishing. He was a fisherman. So at the water, I was curious. He wasn't there. When I got back to the car, I started to get a little bit of that feeling in your stomach like, this is really unusual, and we're past curious now, end quote. Concerned because her father had a heart condition, Lila called her mother. Margaret Cooper, the wife slash mother, had not seen her husband for more than 24 hours. Now, quoting Margaret, she said, I felt a great deal of fear. Lila suggested that we check the hotels because they were close, and then the hospitals, and if we couldn't find them, him, then, then we'd call the police. Constable Larry Wiltshire of the Rural Canadian Mounted Police, Sparwood Detachment, yes, that's all in his title. Constable Larry Wiltshire, RCMP, Sparwood Detachment. Man, Canada, you have some weird-ass fucking titles for your law officials. He's quoted as saying, There was no footprints or any other physical evidence around the vehicle. The vehicle was locked. There were some clothes in the vehicle along with some fishing tackle. Nothing that we found around the vehicle suggests foul play was involved with this. Now, just keep in your mind for right now, folks, he had fishing tackle and clothes in his car. Almost like he's trying to make it appear as though he fell into the water. Or maybe he did, I don't know. So then they, they towed his car back to the precinct to, precinct to check for evidence. This saddened Margaret. Seeing the car taken away, she felt as though maybe if the car had stayed, he would come back. The police launched an extensive air and land search, but Alex Cooper had vanished. Perplexed, his family searched for answers. They found out the day he disappeared, he ate lunch at a restaurant less than a mile from where his car was found. According to Marge again, Alex had a very bad habit in that he carried his money 
in a roll in his front pocket. And if he was going to pay for anything, he took out the roll to pay for what he needed and put the roll back in his pocket. Now, yeah, that, that is really dumb, by the way. And if anybody, That's it, uh, definitely a bad idea. That's definitely a bad idea. If anybody does that, or if you know anybody who does that, and that's, that's some older people, it, it, either old people or rappers do that shit, and it's not a good idea for either one. Um, never pull out a roll of money with a rubber band around it and be like, hey, how much do I owe you? And then start flick, flicking through your bills there, you know? That's why, yeah, that's just classic stupidity. Margaret feared the worst case scenario. Someone robbed her husband, killed him, and dumped his body in the Canadian wilderness. Lila Cooper had a completely different theory of what went down. Quote, I was thinking about all the things that could have happened to him. I thought about him falling into the water, or he had a heart attack and fell into the water. The media picked up the story. Newspaper and TV coverage provided another theory. Quote, People had reported seeing a similar person matching the description of Alex Cooper hitchhiking out of the area. For what reasons? We have no idea. End quote. And who made that quote? I have no idea, because I forgot to put that in my notes. So, I'm just going to say... Johnny McNew's face made that quote. So, if Alex left on his own free will, why did he leave his heart meds and his credit cards at home? Why did he take only the clothes he was wearing? Quoting Marge again, it was suggested that maybe he staged his, his disappearance. I wasn't able to accept that at all. Alex was not the type of man who was able to create that kind of pain for his family. Quoting Elila, he was the best father anybody could ever want and he loved us all. He was funny, he was sincere, he was honest, and you know, if I'm proven wrong, I guess I'll have to eat my words, but I believed everything he ever told me, end quote. Very foreboding statement there. The Cooper family suffered through an entire year without a word from Alex. The family had to face the painful reality that he was gone forever. Marge Cooper petitioned the Supreme Court of British Columbia to declare Alex Cooper dead. Her request was granted. Marge tried to obtain the birth certificate and was stunned to find out that a birth certificate was never issued in Alex's name. In fact, prior to his marriage to Marge in 1952, there was no records of Alex Cooper whatsoever. No high school transcripts, no military papers, no medical history. As far as anyone could tell, Alex Cooper did not and had not existed. Quote, finding no record of him made me feel very mixed up. I'm sure of myself and of him because I had to really admit for the first time that he hadn't been completely honest with me. That's Marge saying that. <laughs> That's such a mind-blowing revelation. Can you imagine that? If, if you know, for example, if it's like a, a girl that you fell in love with and you married her and then she disappears and then you go on and try to look up all this information and then you find out this woman that you've known all your life doesn't exist. I mean, that's one thing for the wife, but I think for the kids it'd be even more sketchy because it's like, Dad, what the hell, man? Like, what's your, who are well, you? Well, I mean, yeah, or, or you know, if you had kids. Like, if you had kids, yeah, you'd be like, Mom, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, who the hell are you? What's going on here, you know? So who was... You'd be worried because you'd be like, oh, is he like some criminal or something, you know, or something like, because that's usually what happens when somebody changes their name like that. Yeah. So who was Alex Cooper? Why did he assume that alias? And why did he live that lie for 30 years? And most important, was he still alive? 
And if so, why had he chosen to disappear? Robert Stack had a lot of questions in this segment. So for four long years, the Cooper family lived in constant state of uncertainty. Then on May 27, 1991, the mystery of Alex Cooper finally began to unravel. Halfway across the country in Toronto, another man was reported missing. He was also a salesman. His name was David Cooper, and he bore an uncanny resemblance to Alex Cooper. The man known as David Cooper had lived in a boarding house in Toronto for more than a year. Every week, he'd venture out to a new community selling meat products to families via telephone. During one of Cooper's business trips, a friend reported him as missing. Police searched Cooper's room and found this photo, for which they show a picture of Alex Cooper and one of his younger daughters. David Cooper and Alex Cooper were one and the same. Lila was quoted as saying, Seeing this Polaroid of him, I couldn't believe every prayer I'd ever made in my dreams were answered because he was alive, but I couldn't have him. He was there, but he wasn't there. Then Marge was quoted as saying, Well, I had my 39th wedding anniversary not too long ago. By myself. Kind of in limbo. Marge, you could tell, was very, you know, she, well, first of all, she didn't seem like too comfortable on camera, but secondly, she seemed very sketched out on this dude now. She's very, like, you know, a woman scorned, but a very Well, who quiet wouldn't anger. be? Yeah, right? And yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, who would just be like, uh, whatever, you've been living the lie for 30 years, whatever. I, I still love you. That's okay, honey. Just come back home. We'll just forget that you haven't been gone for four years doing who knows what with who knows what. Um, so <laughs> Detective Sergeant Aubrey Dove of the Toronto Police Force uh, said, on the 29th of May, when Mr. Cooper returned, um, he went into his room and noticed that there was police presence, or there had been police presence. The dust that's used to take fingerprints... It was on the wall and a couple of other places. And at that time, his landlady advised him that he had been reported missing and the police were trying to find out where he was. By the, police, by the time the police returned to the boarding house, Alex Cooper had, had disappeared again for reasons only known to himself. Quote, we have a person who has something to hide to a point to where he'd walk away and leave the family that he's been with for 30 years. So it must be something pretty serious, or something he believes to be pretty serious. Again, that was uh, Aubrey Dove of the Toronto Police Force. Um, Marge is quoted as saying, I don't know why he's running, but it's time he quit. He's got this family that cares about him, and if he's out there living amongst strangers, he should rethink this thing. We deserve it, and so does he. I don't know if he deserves it so much, but his family does. Um... After, after the story aired on Unsolved Mysteries, a viewer recognized Alex Cooper and immediately called authorities. During questioning, the mysteries surrounding his life began to unravel. Now, pull up your chairs for this shit, folks, because we're about to find out why this guy left his family of 30 years. What, what happened shortly after this commercial message? No, I'm just joking. All right, so this is what Alex Cooper had to say. He told police his real name was Alvin Arsenault, and in 1948, he was accused of robbing an office of the Canadian Pacific Railroad, where he was employed at the time. Quoting Alex Cooper, which you actually see, now you see the guy in the segment who was missing, which you never see on Unsolved Mysteries. Now he is being interviewed from the horse's mouth. He's saying, I was young and I panicked, 
and I said to myself, there is no way I'm going to take the fall for this because I didn't do it. I took off at that time, and I began Alexander Cooper at that point. Four years later, Alex married Margaret. He had no idea of knowing any charges filed against him were probably dropped. For more than 35 years, his true identity remained a secret. Then as his 65th birthday neared, Alex Cooper's past began to catch up. Quoting Alex Cooper, I was due for pension, and you're required to submit a birth certificate. I knew I couldn't produce one. Several months prior to this, I knew this was coming. I just couldn't bring myself to tell my family. So I walked away. It was a snap decision, and it was a wrong one. Two days after he was questioned by Hamilton authorities, Alex Cooper returned to British Columbia and was reunited with his family after more than five years. Marge said, We're a very close family, and it was very devastating for us. And I'm really hoping we can work through this. If not put it together, how it was, maybe make it better. Lila, the daughter, is quoted as saying, We can't pick up where we left off because things have changed, but we're going to start fresh and take it a day at a time. Then Alex Cooper, he has the last word. The way I feel, I don't deserve for anybody to accept my apology for what I've done. Abandonment of your family? That's one hell of a crime. And the biggest job for me at this point is to make amends, and it will probably take me the rest of my life. So that's the story of Alex Cooper. Now... It's a very unique story because of the whole missing persons angle, and they actually not only find the person, but he went missing on his own accord. And it wasn't because, oh, he killed somebody or whatever, or just went missing because he's a criminal. Or It was kind of he was accused of something, but he didn't really think about, oh, whatever I might have been accused of, the charges were dropped already. I mean, especially if it was something like that, and it was that long ago. Uh, the statute of limitations had long run out by the time he tried to go for his pension. So, honestly, you know, but I don't blame him for, like, worrying, oh, no, oh, no, because he's been used to being on the run and having this fake name for all this time. This is one paranoid dude. I mean... You know, I, I they don't go in depth about the details of this uh, supposed crime or whatever um, that he was um, that he did or didn't do. But I mean, that that is some degree of paranoia right there to go on the run, change your name, have to live with that burden for thirty five years. See, that's that's why I could never commit a crime because. And maybe it's because I have a stronger conscience than most people. I don't know. Or or maybe I have a regular conscience of regular people. Um, and people who do those crimes have no conscience. I don't know. But I I wouldn't like commit a crime like robbing a bank, something like that. I couldn't do that just for the sheer fact of of having that on my just having that on my back, like the whole time knowing that they could be out there looking for you anywhere. And at any time, you could be apprehended. That was like, um, was it Margot Freshwater was her name? The the chick who um, escaped from jail. Uh, that chick who escaped from jail, and she lived a normal suburban life for like 30 years, I think, as well, and was finally apprehended again as an old lady. She had kids, a family. She belonged to a community. 
and she was arrested and she had to serve the rest of her life in jail as an old lady. You know, like yeah. it's like the the law, you know, sometimes they forget or not forget, but sometimes they just you know, and they, and they really don't publicize this as much because they don't want they don't really want people to know this. But sometimes people do get away and they're never caught. Um, but a lot of times they are, and it's like, do you want to take that chance? Now, for this guy, Alex Cooper, I mean, you look at certain aspects of like, was he really that dumb to think that people were still looking for him, so he needed to abandon his family, you know, before his sixty fifth birthday, you know stage his car to like make it look like he went out fishing and accidentally fell in the water knowing how much pain that was going to bring his family i mean rather than just fessing up to to what happened you know and and dealing with a little bit of shame and humiliation you know instead you're going to put your family through years of 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 yeah exactly it's like why yeah why didn't he just fess up and just say okay yeah this is why I can't file for my pension. And if they love you, they'll understand that. And they'll be like, well, I, you know, this is a shocking thing, but, you know, well, we'll work through this together and just go in and try to get a new birth certificate and we'll, we'll get things figured out. That's what makes me think there was an ulterior motive. Like maybe he was out, you know, he was, you know, having some kind of a, certainly not a midlife crisis, maybe end of life crisis. And was he, he having an affair? <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things I keep thinking of. Maybe he was wanting some strange, you know? He was wanting to get out of uh, the the monotony of his life, you know, and just go on the run. And um, he happened to have this convenient excuse of, you know, oh, I thought they were going to arrest me because I didn't have a birth certificate. Um, I don't know. Uh, It it just seems fishy to me that that was the one and only reason. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like you see his interview. It generally looks like he's embarrassed and he's all it looks like he's definitely honest. But he's a salesman, though. That's a thing. Yeah, he is a salesman, though. Yeah, you're right. So he's able he's able to 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 mimic you know, whatever emotions he needs to, to get the sale, to convince salespeople have to be very convincing. They have to be very good at, at, at getting people, persuading them to see things their way. And in salespeople's cases, it's to buy my product. And I think he was selling us a line of bullshit, uh, a little bit, not, maybe not entirely, but there's a little, I smell a little stink of bullshit in that story. Um, so, but hey, that's what makes it a great story because it's like, not only did he go missing, which normally these missing persons end up dead, he comes back and he's interviewed on the show and he's got this crazy story as to why he left and he's, yeah. you know, so it's, it, it was a great, it was a great segment. I don't think it's on Amazon Prime yet, unfortunately, but uh, maybe, maybe someday it will. May, it might be soon because it's a 1991 episode, so. Oh yeah, it should um, be soon then. So... But, of course, with most of these cases, you know, there's a sad ending to it. Uh, oh, Mike has an update for us. Mar- Margaret passed away in 1996. Oh, what a surprise. Uh, about five years after this segment aired. And Alex Cooper passed away in 2007. Damn, he lived a lot longer than what I thought. Because, like, I was sitting there watching that segment thinking, yeah, that guy's definitely, you know, he died a long time ago. Damn, he made it all the way to 07. Yeah, his fucking wife probably died early because all the trauma that he put her through, all the grief yeah. and shit, you know? That's real, man. All like, the stress. Stress actually is 
a, a factor in, in people's health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a very underrated factor, an overlooked factor in people's poor health or their or people who end up getting sick and things like that. So that's that case. Whoever um, picked it, great, great choice. You know, I don't know who it was. Let us know. Um, I guess I'll plug some shit now. If you want to uh, become a fan of our uh, podcast on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. We also have a Facebook group of the same name. Um, Honestly, I would recommend joining the group. Uh, Well, do both, you know, just give the page a like, but join the group more than the page, the fan page, because the group is a lot more interactive. Um, it's a great group. I've, I'm, I'm part of a few groups, and I'd say our group is pretty, uh, pretty interactive as far, you know, it's pretty active, I should say, not interact. Well, it isn't. What the fuck, dude? It's like my brain <laughs> is just being dumb right now, and I'm not editing this either. This is going straight through, baby. Um, but yeah, join the Facebook group and let us know who, who suggested that. I know, I know it's one of our more dedicated listeners. I just can't recall who it is right now. Um, we also have a Patreon, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to contribute to the Patreon to help support this podcast and send Mike to a fucking concert for once in his life. It's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries as well. There's a bunch of bonuses and stuff like that. One of the bonus rewards you'll hear later on in this podcast, but you'll have to wait for that little guy there. Um, our next segment, Mike, uh, well, someone, ha- again, talked about it on the group and we thought, hey, it's a good uh, segment to talk about because... Uh, as Mike informed me, today's Alien Day? Yeah, today's Alien Day. It's an unofficial sort of uh, holiday for uh, the Alien franchise. And so people end up, uh, because uh, 426, the name of the planet that the aliens were on is called LV-426. So they have this whole sort of Alien Day sort of celebration. So since today's Alien Day, you know, it's a perfect case to discuss is the Falcon Lake UFO case. Now, I had, this was requested by somebody on the group, and I'm, I'm on the group right now, and I'm trying to see... I know he's Canadian. ...who it was, because I want to make sure... Oh my God, you know what? Both these cases that we're talking about this week are both, Canadi- are both uh, Canada-based. Yeah. Showing Canada some love. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> it's so frustrating. You're like you're looking. It's like when, when you're when you're looking for something, you can't find it. But oh, this is some good. Ra- this is good radio right here. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know who you are, person. He's 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 a guy. And... Oh, I got it. Uh, it's uh, Cody. M's. Okay, there you go. Yeah, he was. He talked about it. Um, yeah, and, and you know, unsolved mysteries unfortunately only has a very finite number of uh, UFO cases, um, and I am trying to save them like like water or like gold or something because uh, I think at the beginning of the podcast when we first started, I was like, you know, I was like, I want to talk about all the UFO cases that possible. So I, you know, I think we knocked out a lot of the big UFO cases early on in the podcast, which sucks cuz now we have better audio and I just think we're better at the podcasting. We general. could always cover them again, eh. you know. I don't know if I'd want to do that maybe. 
But yeah, this is one that we haven't talked about yet. There's also the uh, Phoenix UFO that I'm saving, like a bottle of fine wine to bust out at, at some point. That's a really great uh-huh. UFO one. But uh, yeah, anyway. So this is the Falcon Lake incident. I'm reading off of the Para Wiki, a paranormal wiki. Wow, they have a wiki for every goddamn thing. Yeah. Uh, the Valken Lake incident occurred on May 20th, 1967, when Stefan Michalik claimed that he encountered an unidentified flying object near Valken Lake, Manitoba, Canada. He claimed to have been burned by the craft's exhaust vent, which was covered by an ovular grid. Uh, before the incident, McCallick was a resident of Winnipeg, Canada, but had taken a short vacation in the White Shell Provincial Park. He was quite familiar with the area, having prospected here on a number of occasions. He had been told there were veins of quartz to be found near Falcon Lake. He was up early on May 19th, leaving the hotel at 5.30 a.m., and around 9 o'clock a.m. he had found a vein of the precious material, and around 11 a.m. he stopped for a lunch break, and then he soon resumed his digging. Sounds like you're saying Vulcan Lake, like the Vulcans off of... uh... Star Trek. It's Falcon Lake. Live long and prosper. No, it's Falcon. Yeah, Falcon. Falcon Lake. Yeah, you're saying Val. It sounds like you're saying Falcon. Like Val Kilmer, Falcon Lake. (laughs) (laughs) Falcon. Falcon. And uh, I believe his last name is pronounced Mikalak. Okay, Mikalak. All right, thank you. Because I've seen, seen, I'm a nerd. I've seen this segment many times, so I'm just going off memory here. So, Falcon Lake. How can you fuck that up, Mike? It's F-A-L-C-O-N. I thought I was saying it right the whole time, but apparently not. (laughs) Okay, so Maybe it's me. I don't know. Guys, let me know. Was Mike saying it right the whole time and I'm just an asshole? If I was wrong, cool. But uh, shortly after 12 o'clock p.m., McCallick. McCallack. McCallack's concentration (laughs) was disturbed by a noise similar to a geese's grunts. When he looked up, he spotted two cigar-shaped objects, which were red and brilliant as fire. They were descending at 45 degrees, as calculated by the witness. He also noticed that the closer they came, the more oval they became. One of the objects stopped in the air, while the other landed on a big rock 160 feet away from McCallick. After some moments, the object floating above McCallick changed its color to gray, and then flew directly west disappearing throughout through the clouds the landed object also changed to gray and then to a color similar to incandescent stainless steel now in the segment it, it the whole the the stuff on location is fine and so on but i gotta be honest the cgi effects of the ufo in this segment are shitty it is really bad it's like early 90s crappy cgi yeah, I, I really would have preferred if they used a model or something behind a green screen or a blue screen. Then I, I think it's harder too because this this is a daytime UFO sighting, so they didn't have a lot of darkness and shadow to hide their UFO CGI behind like they would yeah. if it was a, a nighttime UFO shot like it normally is. So yeah, it's bad, but you know, honestly, like. I, it just doesn't bother me for some reason. It, it just, it, it, and it's not a nostalgia thing. Well, maybe it is. Um, it, it's, it, to me, it's like, wow, this is something that is unusual and how they portray it is effective enough. 
um, for me, I guess. I don't know. I, in a way, the crappy CGI sometimes, sometimes, bear with me here, sometimes makes it look a little bit creepier because of how bad it looks, if that makes sense. It makes it look even more like something that shouldn't be on... Yeah, I could see that. You know, it makes it look more unnatural. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah, it makes it look more unnatural, and that's what makes it look... That, that can make it look weirder and freakier to me sometimes. Like, yeah. nowadays, I'm thinking if they did it, it'd look all sleek, and, it, it you know, the lighting would be the same as the lighting on the set, and it would look like it was really there. And it would probably just look like some kind of a, you know, like like something you would expect to see there almost. I don't know. Um, yeah. So Well, I, also, also the segment also has some fun. I, I always kind of crack up at the lines that yeah. McCallick is... <laughs> He's, he's all like he's, he's first off he goes up he goes up to the UFO and he starts talking to it. You probably know the, you know this kind of thing a little bit better in terms of the line of dialogue than I do because you've seen it like how many times? <laughs> oh, I I don't fucking know. It's a lot. So, uh, but yeah, he goes in and uh, yeah. So he's walking up to the ship and well, first. First off, about this guy, he's smart as a fucking tack. The guy knows, like, four or five languages. And yeah. he's approaching this spacecraft thinking that it's American. He thinks that this is some American thing. So he walks up to it and he's like, Yankee boys, Yankee boys, you need help. I help you, Yankee boys. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then he tries Russian, which I have no idea, you know, what he says in Russian. And then he does Polish. Then he tries Polish. No response. And then finally he tries German, which I, I do know what he says. He goes, Deutsch? Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ich helfe Ihnen vielleicht. Ich helfe Ihnen. Which means, do you speak German? I'll, perhaps I will help you. You know, I, I, I will yeah. help you or I can help you or whatever. So he tries so, like all these different languages on saying no re response. And so he walks up to the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, he was observing the spaceship. He saw a door open. He could see the interior of the UFO was very illuminated. He approached some meters. He said he heard some voices coming from inside of the ship. He believed that the object was an experimental flying object, So, but he didn't see a NASA uh, label on it. But he just thought, okay, maybe it's an experimental government object. So he tried to talk to it in English, and then he tried other languages, but nothing, nothing worked. But then he decided to walk to the open door. Understandably nervous because anybody would be nervous in that situation unless yeah. somebody's like super into UFOs and they're just all gung ho about it. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Take me. I'm ready. <laughs> Shit, that's exactly. how I feel right now. That's exactly what I'd say to a fucking UFO. Take, get me out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Planet Earth. Peace out. So you're like the, the people on the rooftop in Independence Day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the goddamn hippies cut your hair. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, so he nervously approaches the flying object. He approaches, walks to the door, and he sees a panel and some lights inside the ship. He did not see anybody or anything, so he waited. Suddenly, the door closed. Despite the shock and surprise, he discovered a colorful glass around the UFO. It was very well conserved with no cracks. He attempted to touch it, but his glove simply melted, the heat hurting his hand through the glove's protection. Quietly, a metallic box full of holes got off the UFO in what seemed to be like a grid-like exhaust vent. 
A steamy explosion occurred, and some kind of gas was expelled in his direction. Immediately, his clothes started to burn and catch on fire. As the object flew after the other one, McCulloch was left deaf behind, desperately trying to extinguish the fire. I mean, it just went from bad to worse here. I mean, it's already like, oh, I'm trying to find crystals, and oh, there's a UFO here. Okay, that's pretty fucked up. And then <laughs> I, I'm on fire, and yeah. And you would think being caught on fire would be bad enough, but uh, it actually gets even worse after that. After the incident, once the fire was extinguished, McCulloch felt pain and sickness, and he noticed a metallic odor from the inside of his body, like the smell of something electric that is burning. He tried to go to the motel, but he was stopped several times, feeling sick. He actually stopped several times uh, because he was feeling sick and he couldn't actually get to the motel. He was later treated upon arrival at a hospital. He initially claimed that the burns were caused by airplane exhaust. Of course, who's going to be like, I... How did you get these birds? Uh, it was from a, a, a UFO. It, it landed and then it burned me. The, the Yankee boys burned my stomach. <laughs> Those alien boys, they burned my stomach and made me sick. Uh, but anyway, so McCulloch's family physician, R.D. Ottaway, reported that McCulloch was confused and dazed but rational. Ottaway further reported hair loss and a series of raised oval-shaped sores on McCulloch's chest and abdomen in a grid-like pattern, similar to a first-degree burn. The nature of these burns remained difficult to explain. Health problems plagued McCulloch for several months, including lack of appetite, weight loss, swelling, and fainting spells. A Mayo Clinic psychiatrist claimed McCulloch was free of significant mental or emotional illness. And in 1999, McCulloch died. Aww. At the age of 83. Well, eh, he lived a pretty long life. Now, there was a little, little bit of an investigation of the encounter. By late June 1967, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the RCMP, had taken in, an interest in McCulloch's claims. They could not identify the site on their own, and on June 1st, they brought McCulloch with them. However, McCulloch could not locate the site, which raised further doubts regarding his claim. The RCMP also confirmed that McCulloch had consumed multiple bottles of beer the night before the sighting. On June 26, McCulloch had located the site and recovered personal belongings he had left there. The RCMP obtained soil samples from the location, which they tested for radioactivity. The tests were positive. All right. On July 28, McCulloch and the RCMP officers together identified a semicircle on the rock face at the scene. Fifteen feet in diameter where the moss had been somehow removed. There were traces of radiation and a fault in the rock across the center of the landing spot. No trace of radiation was found around the outer perimeter of the circle or in the moss or grass below the raised portion of the rock. The radioactive material found in the rock fault was radium-226, a naturally occurring isotope in wide commercial use and also found in radioactive waste. They concluded that the level of radiation posed no danger to humans in the area. The Department of National Defense identifies the Falcon Lake case, Falcon Lake case as unsolved. All right, the fact that they said that he was drinking beer the night before pisses me off. That makes me feel like they're skeptical, so they get a big fat... <laughs> what does that detail have to do with anything? He had a few beers the night before, so what? It's not like he was drunk the next day. I mean, shit, alcohol doesn't stay in your system that long, especially beer. Fucking beer. Well, I mean, that doesn't explain the stuff on his chest either, or all of the physical ailments that he was dealing with. 
Yeah, and, and 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 when you watch the segment, it's really um, the depictions of the uh, the the scars that he has. They're really creepy and like kind of gross. Yeah. You know, they're like these like fucking circles, like the shape of the vent that he was talking about uh-huh. on this craft that shot out this steam or this gas that um, you know that that fucked him up. Now, one thing um, that that article doesn't really talk about that uh, was pretty integral to the what I thought was pretty good about the case was actually his son <laughs> was was in the segment a lot, and his son uh, his wasn't an, an adult obviously, but uh, his son was really um, he was he was a good interview. I felt like he was real natural on the camera and everything on the camera on the moving pictures. I don't know why I called it the camera. Um, and yeah, his son would just talk about how uh, you he'd go into his dad's like growing up, you know, his dad was sick a lot, and how he'd go into the his dad's room where he would be laying down in bed sick, and he's like he's like my dad would just have a smell of like motor oil about him. Um, I thought that was kind of a unique line, you know, he'd just have the smell of uh, the stink of like motor oil or something about him all the time, and. Um, he he jokingly called the scars his buttons um, because they were you know shapes like buttons and um, they even even when uh, they healed up which took forever longer than what should it should have taken for a normal injury of that kind the scar tissue the subcutaneous scar tissue was still there in the shape of the circles so that was some pretty serious shit. Um, I, I thought it was interesting too when they showed the inside of the craft um, when Mikalak, um, Mikalak as Mike likes to call him, uh, would when he walked up to the um, craft they actually showed the inside and yeah it was bad CGI bad '90s computer graphics but I still thought it was interesting their their interpretation of what they thought an inside of an alien spacecraft would look like. Again, I think because of the bad CGI it makes it look more mysterious and like more out of the ordinary or, or unusual. Um, it kind of had this like purplish glow and it's like, man, you just really, you just really wonder what would be inside of a craft, a UFO craft, if you could just walk in as a normal person, you know, like what, like how would the inside of it be? You know, it's just, you know, it's like, I I want the answers, but I just know I'm not like important enough to ever get them and I'll, I'll never know, which sucks. Or maybe one day they'll finally reveal it. I don't know, but, um. Donald Trump's trying to keep aliens out. He's not trying to bring them in. So unfortunately, this is not the president that's going to help us with aliens. Um, We're going to build the wall to keep out the aliens. <laughs> We're going to build a wall around the earth. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a great wall. It's going to be fabulous. A fabulous wall. For somebody for somebody who, uh, for, for a straight old man, he sure does say fabulous a lot. I have noticed that about Donald Trump. Fabulous. <laughs> it's going to be a fabulous wall, guys. It's going to be fabulous. Simply fabulous. Just next time you listen to him speak, just notice how many times he says fabulous. Maybe that's like a rich New York old man thing to say, but uh, I don't know. I doesn't think it, you know, I mean, I don't care either way, you know. He could be gay for all I know. Doubt he is, <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, how the fuck did we get on talking about Donald Trump? I don't want to waste my UFO talk talking about that guy. Um, any hoozles, um, this is a great case. Um, it's one of those cases where you have so much compelling physical evidence besides just, um, you know, yeah, sightings are one thing, and, and having mass sightings, that's another thing, but actually having yeah. physical proof, physical evidence 
Um, that's like a whole it's other one that I game. like to point out to people who are skeptical of UFOs and things like that, because it's the physical evidence that is just how do you explain all that, all those physical elements, all those scars that he has? Uh, the the burns are in a, a shape that how the hell did he come in con- contact with something like that in the area that he was at? In the middle of a forest. How could, how could he have done that himself? I mean, it's one of those things like how can you actually be skeptical about that? I could be I could see somebody being skeptical, but to like just blanketly be like, oh, there's an explanation. It's not a UFO. There's no way. It's yeah. Like- yeah. OK. I could see someone being skeptical about it, you know, and, and oh, it's not a UFO. It's something else. But even that it's like, do you see markings like that on people's flesh very often? That's the only time I could think of something like that. And then the radiation and I know they're trying, oh, there was radiation there was naturally. Yeah, that might have been naturally there too, but there also might be other radiation that was there left by the spacecraft. I mean, there's been instances where UFOs have landed and there's radiation that has been found on the landing site, like the Betty Cash. That's another one. The the Betty Cash UFO, the Texas UFO one. They had physical ailments as well. Oh, they got all fucked up from that UFO. Exactly. What's weird is, uh, again, like the whole daytime sighting of a UFO. Because, I mean, that's that's rare. Yeah. That is very that rare. That is very rare. Um, the only, it uh, makes some, me think the UFO had some issues. Yeah. And like, they, they had to land to do some repairs. And then... Maybe they just they saw the Canadian countryside and they're like, Hey, Peggy, you know what? This is a beautiful country that we live in. Let's just land real quick and have a few beers, and I, I gotta take a piss anyway. Maybe that was the case. Who knows? I mean, I'm no scientist. You know, I don't have the figures to back that up. But uh, that's. I'm uh, just imagining an alien version of King of the Hill. Hank Hill. Hank Hill and Peggy and everybody, and Bobby and the rest. <laughs> All right, this probing's gonna hurt you more than it hurts me. Sorry, we just gotta take our samples. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the only one of the only other daytime UFO encounters I can think of is a Socorro close encounter, which is another one we haven't talked about. That's good that there's other ones out there. That makes me happy. Um, the Socorro close encounter in Socorro, New Mexico. Um, yeah. yeah, not a whole lot of daytime UFO sightings, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's that one. Moving right along. Um, now, from time to time, folks. Yeah, I just feel like it's a service to the community, to the podcast community of our listeners to just kind of let you in on who your fellow listener is sometimes and just kind of, you know, let you know a little bit about them, maybe a a story about them, something that happened. Um, Crazy story, really. Um, And we have one this week. And it is for one Ariel Smith. Um... And so this is a story that that she told me that that she can uh, that she confided in me, but I can't help myself. I have to tell the story on the podcast for many other people to listen to. Now, uh, Ariel Smith uh, was actually a top student at the FBI's training academy. Um, her boss was Jack Crawford, and this guy named Jack Crawford, and he wanted Ariel to interview this. 
basically this guy who's very mentally unstable. He was in jail for he was he was in one of the higher up prisons like it, it that's only reserved for crazy people it's clinically insane criminally crazy um so she got sent to interview this guy um it, who before he snapped himself was a brilliant psychiatrist um but is also a violent psychopath uh he's serving life uh, for various acts of murder and actually cannibalism as well um, Errol Smith um, believed that this guy may also have insight into a case that um, involved an attractive young woman. Because he's so crazy and because he is this master psychiatrist, maybe he would have the mind of, you know, a killer. And, and well, he does. He does. He did, obviously. And that he maybe he could provide some insight. So they actually sent her there to interview this guy. And, um, you know, this guy had a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff that he he did that, you know, is I know this is a pretty much a no holds barred podcast, but I can't really mention some of the stuff that happened. But, um, yeah, so she got to interview this psycho killer guy. And um, eventually they did catch the person that they were looking for, um, whose name was Buffalo Bill. <laughs> so yeah that's a crazy story that may that i mean i think it happened to her it probably did or it may not have but it probably did so that's a crazy story ariel thank you for sharing that with me if you would like a crazy story uh of you aired on this podcast uh consider donating to our five dollar patreon tier uh we have a bunch of people who uh they got stories coming down the pike so uh, keep your ears open for those stories. Um, so, but and in, of course, if you donate higher than five dollars, you still get a story. So all those people get stories too coming, uh, and they're real, or maybe they're not. I don't know. It's for you to decide. All right, gang. So next thing we're going to talk about is the wow signal. The wow signal. Wow. wow. You know when like really stuck up like snobby bitches are like wow. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> you just said that. Wow. Whatever. Wow. Or the wow signal. <laughs> <laughs> Any way you want to take that? Any way you want it? That's the way you need it. As Journey once said, which is a statement. Any way you want it. Any way you need it. You, you know, that I, I was before well, off, off, uh, off the mic, I was just making fun of Shakira and her shitty lyrics and how, oh, that must be, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, journey, any way you want it, that's the way you need it. That phrase makes no fucking sense. What does that mean? Hey, that's the way I want it. Well, you know what? That's the way you need it then. Like, <laughs> what the fucking get out of here. Anyway. Well, the- that's better than I want you to want me and I need you to need me. Yeah, but that makes sense. It does, but it's so bad. crying. I mean, can, can you just imagine that person, you know, being like uh, in a date or anything like that and just be like, I want you to want me and I need you to need me. I'm like, yeah. Jeez, as if. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's the that's the perfect um that, that's the perfect like snobby wow right there. 
All right, so anyway, the WOW signal was a strong, narrow-band radio signal received on August 15, 1977 by Ohio State University's Big Ear Radio Telescope in the United States. While a telescope was being used to support the search for extraterrestrial intelligence project, the signal appeared to come from the constellation Sagittarius and bore the expected hallmarks of extraterrestrial origin. Astronomer Jerry Eh, men discovered the uh, anomaly a few days later while reviewing the recorded data. He was so impressed by the result, he circled the reading on the computer printout and wrote the comment, Wow, on its side, leading to the event's widely used name. The entire signal sequence lasted for the full 72-second window that the big ear was able to observe it, but has not been detected since. Despite several subsequent attempts by eh, men and others... Though uh, none, of, none of the main hypothesis advanced to date adequately explains the source of the emission and a natural origin has not been ruled out, the WOW signal remains the strongest candidate ever detected for an alien radio transmission. Now here's a little bit of a background. In 1973, after completing an extensive survey of extragalactic radio sources, I love that. I love that series, that, that pairing of words. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State University assigned the now-defunct Big Ear Telescope, located near the Perkins Observatory in Delaware, Iowa, Ohio, Ohio, <laughs> Ohio, uh, the scientific search for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, and what would become, kind of would, what would have a blue blue, what would have become the longest-running program of its kind in history. Sounds like aliens are uh, taking over my brain cells there. Uh, over a decade earlier, in a 1959 paper, Cornell physicists Philip Morrison and Giuseppe Cocconi had speculated that any extraterrestrial civilization attempting to communicate via radio signals might choose to do so using a frequency of 1420 megahertz, which is naturally emitted by hydrogen, the most common element in the universe and therefore likely familiar to all technologically advanced civilizations. Similarizations. Uh, by 1977... Eh, man, was working at the SETI project as a volunteer. His job involved in analyzing by hand large amounts of data processed by an IBM 1130 mainframe computer. I don't even know what the fuck that is. And printed on a perforated paper. While perusing data collected on August 15th at 2216 EDT, 216 UT. What? You don't have to read all that. Just tell me what the time it is. Don't give me military time. Ehman spotted a series of values of signal intensity and frequency that left him and his colleagues astonished. Much like the movie and the book Contact, which I definitely feel was definitely inspired by this story. So here's some hypotheses of the signal's origin. We'll go back and forth on these little paragraphs here. Interstellar scintillation of a... No, that can't be it. Skin Scintillation. Okay. Interstellar scintillation of a weaker continu continuous signal. I swear to God, the more I read, the more my reading skills break down to a <laughs> yeah. lower level of yeah. understanding. Holy yeah. shit. Interstellar scintillation of a weaker continuous signal, similar in effect to atmospheric twinkling. Twinkle, 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 twinkle. <laughs> could be an explanation. But would not exclude the possibilities of the signal being artificial in origin. But even the significantly more sensitive, very large array. Now, this is all shit. This is all shit that's highlighted in blue, folks. Okay, that's hilarious because you start out with interstellar scintillation. Okay, 
continuous signals, all right. And then you're like atmosphere twinkling. You're like, okay. <laughs> and then it just goes down to like the most basic term right here with the very large array. I don't. Do we have any names for this? Well, like fancy uh, names. In naming the celestial uh, bodies and equipment uh, used in this project, um, we came upon uh, interstellar scintillation. Uh, We came upon uh, continuous signals, atmospheric twinkling, and, uh, well, uh, Johnson handled this last one, but uh, it's called Very Large Array. Uh, Sorry, we didn't have something more uh, (laughs) more fancy there for the ears, but uh, that's what it's called, so it's uh, pretty big, actually, so kind of a fitting name. Uh, so, but, yeah, the- <laughs> but yeah, all this shit's highlighted in blue. So like, they're assuming that you already know what all this is, which I'm sure none of you do, uh, guys. Essentially, this whole segment that we're doing right here is just a chance for you to laugh at our poor reading and our, <laughs> our attempts <laughs> at trying to convey information to you and our poor ability to do so. Uh, even the significantly more sensitive very large array did not detect the signal. The probability that a signal below the detection threshold of the very large array, the big motherfucker, could be detected uh, by the big ear due to insta- interstellar scintillation is low. Other hypotheses include a rotating lighthouse-like so- uh, source, a signal sweeping in frequency, or a one-time burst. Like a one-time st- one-night stand, or... Uh, sure, Mike, if that helps you. <laughs> so, eh, men has said, we should have seen it again when we looked it for it 50 times. Something suggests that it was an Earth source signal that simply got reflected off a piece of space debris. He later recanted his skepticism somewhat after further research showed an Earth-born signal to be very unlikely given the requirements of a space-born reflector being bound to certain unrealistic requirements to sufficiently explain the signal. Also, it is problematic to propose that the 1420 megahertz signal originated from Earth since this is within the protected spectrum, a bandwidth reserved for astronomical purposes in which terrestrial transmitters are forbidden to transmit. In a 1997 paper, eh, man, draw, draws fasting conclusions from half-fast data, acknowledging the possibility that the source may have been military or otherwise a product of Earth-bound humans. However, eh, man thinks that most li- the most likely explanation for the signal is from an extraterrestrial civilization. In, 2000, in a 2012 podcast, oh Jesus, uh, scientific skeptic author Brian Dunning concluded that a radio transmission from deep space in the direction of Sagittarius as opposed to a near-Earth origin remains the best technical explanation for the emission, although there is no evidence to conclude that an alien intelligence... Was the what source. else would send a radio transmission from deep space? A lost satellite, the Voyager. I mean, when the they're Viger? saying when they're saying radio transmission, what what is defined as a radio transmission? Is it just a yeah. signal frequency? Because I mean, there's a bunch of shit that sends. I mean, maybe it could be that black monolith from 2001: A Space Odyssey. That would be scary. Or Viger. I don't know what that is. It, it's from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Where the Voyager satellite ended up uh, getting uh, found by this, it's complicated. That's moviest because I don't really watch movies, and you're talking about movies, so that offends me. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it's moviest. Uh, so, in a 2016 paper, Antonio Paris and Evan Davies proposed that the diffuse head of a comet could produce an HI emission, like the Wow signal. 
and identified a pair of comets that were in the right area of the sky, but extra, extra, uh, extrapolating. extrapolating. Thank you. The orbits back to the 1977 date. The paper acknowledges that the comet is possibly an emission source hypothesis has not been empirically tested and that a potentially long lived emission source does not explain why only one of the feed horns detected the wow signal. <laughs> On January 7th, 2017, the 335P Gibbs, know what the hell that is, I guess it's a comet, was expected to pass through the star system. And on January 25th, 2017, the 266P Christensen is expected. Paris has embarked on a mission to test this theory. Ehman's analysis of the Paris and Davies paper indicates as highly unlikely that either of the two comets could have been the cause-slash-source of the WOW signal. Ehman's colleagues at the Ohio State University Radio Observatory agree with his analysis and conclusions. There so, were actually uh, searches that were made for a reoccurrence of the signal. Uh, several attempts were made by Ehman and other astronomers to recover and identify the signal. The signal was expected to occur three minutes apart in each of the telescope's feed horns, but that did not happen. And then unsuccessfully searched for recurrences using Big Ear in the months after the detection. In 1987 and 1989, Robert H. Gray searched for the event using the META array at Oak Ridge Observatory, but did not detect it. In July 95, test of signal detection software to be used in its upcoming project, Argus Search, SETI League exec Executive Director H. Paul Schuch. Uh, made several drift scan observations of the wow signals coordinates with a 12 meter radio telescope at the national radio. That that literally to me was like a <laughs> bunch of words that they just <laughs> strung together. That is not a sentence. What I just read. None of that means anything to me. This segment is an abortion of, of segments. Um, I think I think it's interesting though, and I do, I do think we kind of had some, we had some fun with it. So hopefully you guys are having fun with it as well. Okay, so basically it's a fucking signal from outer space, and we don't know what it is. And it could be from aliens. See, <laughs> why couldn't they have just said that? Why they got to add all this like scientific? Now, shit? now speaking of wow, this is a random thing for you guys, but and gals, but I think you'll get a kick out of it. Um, there was actually some potato chips that were called Wow Chips. Uh, Lay's uh, made them. They were called Lay's Wow Chips. Uh, they were fat-free potato chips produced by Frito-Lay containing Olestra. Now, Olestra was some new uh, fat alternative kind of thing. It was a kind of a thing that some guy created in order to be able to create chips that were fat-free or didn't have a lot of fat in them for people who were on diets and people who, you know, stuffed their faces with chips and didn't want to gain any weight. Now, they were first introduced in 1998, and they were marketed using the Lay's, Ruffles, Doritos, and Tostitos brands. They were initially very popular. They charted sales of $400 million in their first year, uh, but those sales subsequently dropped to $200 million by the year 2000. The reason? Because Alestra caused abdominal cramping, diarrhea, fecal incontinence, <laughs> a.k.a. anal leakage, and other gastrointestinal symptoms in some customers. 
Warnings were required to be included on the packaging with the wow bag bearing a warning that read, this product contains Olestra. Olestra may cause abdominal cramping and loose stools and anal leakage. Olestra inhibits the absorption of some vitamins and other nutrients. Vitamins A, D, E, and K have been added. Around the same time the WOW brand was renamed Delight, the product then continued under that brand name, but it's no longer around. Wow. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that was a, that's all the podcast for this week as far as I can think of. I uh, hope you enjoyed that little non-Unsolved Mysteries uh, little quirky thing here. And that was actually sent to us by somebody, again, whose name I'm not remembering. Uh, I am the worst ever. It's official. Um, so yeah, if uh, you want to uh, us hear us talk about some stuff, you can bring it up. And as you see, we do requests every now and then. Um, not always, but sometimes. If you want to check me and Mike out on YouTube, uh, my channel is you. <coughs> Whoa! Let me try that again. <laughs> Your uh, <wow>. channel is. <laughs> yeah. Try to spell that out, motherfucker. I don't want any <laughs> viewers. Um, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Now, I just completed a review of Mega Man games. Remember the game Mega Man on the regular Nintendo? Well, they, they, they remade them for your cell phone, and they're not that great. Go, so go check out my review of that. I do, I do reviews on a bunch of things. Um, I, do, I do a vlog. I just did a, my, uh, if you want to find out more about the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert that I went to, I go way more in depth on the vlog. You can check that out on my channel as well. If you want to check out Mike's YouTube channel, for once, I'm going to let him promote it. Yeah, my channel is uh, OCB Communications on YouTube. So just type it on YouTube, OCB Communications, and you should be able to find it. Um, yeah. Wow. I, so I, I, I reviewed. Sell, I sell your shit a lot better than you do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, it's just one of those things where it's just, you know, it, it's uh, one of those things that you can check it out, and uh, it's pretty i'm the only ocb communications on youtube so mike's basically saying he doesn't need any of you because he's so successful so no i do need hey if you want to check it out please do i just did a review of the movie monster so if you're into true crime kind of stuff i, watched I just reviewed the film that was uh, based loosely based on the cases of eileen wernos uh the female serial killer so yeah i, I actually yeah. watched that review last night as i was playing my uh uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on the uh, Nintendo 3DS. I, I was playing the game. I was listening to your review. Cool. And um, I was jerking off all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there was something sticky on your table. We won't mention that. Um, uh, <laughs> this is, God, this is rated R now. I, I thought that this podcast, at first I was like, you know, I haven't cursed that much on this one. I haven't said too much explicit stuff. Uh, and then, then at the end, it just we can't escape it. It gets... started out with motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you oh, forget yeah. about that. Already? Sorry about that. <laughs> I forgot about. Uh, that. But anyway, uh, yeah. As always, thank you for listening. Ow. And uh, oh, are you okay? Oh uh, yeah, my uh, headphone wire got snagged on the mic stand. I'm trying to get, like get ready for my gig as we're closing out the. I podcast. thought you hurt yourself or something. Well, like, ow. No, uh, no, I'm just. I, it was kind of a shock to you know. It's like, anyway, yeah. Any fucking bye, everybody. <laughs> See. Ya.
There are some more outtakes, so... Hello! Hi! <laughs> Hi, Mike! Uh... Who is this? <laughs> this is Gary. I'm going uh, to be doing the podcast today. I hope that's alright. Uh... I don't know who you are, Gary, so, uh... <laughs> I'm one of Josh's many multiple personalities. Oh. Yo, fuck off, Gary! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, what I'm doing right now. I'm going crazy. Seriously? Or Yeah, just... yeah, I'm literally going crazy. Yep. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> uh, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Alright, I gotta find a... Story for uh, Ariel. Did you see? Did you see the ro robot chicken sketch with that, where Robocop's like dead or alive? You're coming with me, and then the woman's like, uh, "I don't think so." <laughs> uh, I I didn't really watch Robot Chicken that much. Um, I I don't know. I just thought it was a stupid show with the toys and all that. I just thought it was dumb. Like if it had been, I don't know. Like if it had been like a normal there's more than just toys. I I think I think. There are certain seg certain parts of it I think you'd enjoy, because there's other pop culture sort of references and parodies they do. So well, I know, but I just the fact that they use toys as their means of like con conveying the stories. Some of them I they actually create for the show. They don't actually exist. I didn't know that. Like stop motion animation. Yeah, look at it that way. Ooh. I just touched a nasty substance on my desk. <laughs> Don't ask any questions. <laughs> Josh having one of those late night <laughs> porn uh, marathons. <laughs> oh, if it was late night, it would have been dried by now. <laughs> I have an early morning, you know, mid-afternoon porn marathons. Before you go on the treadmill... Yeah, yeah you, you, you can file that that last statement under shit that I didn't intend to say out loud, but accidentally <laughs> did. <laughs> oh, I need to go to Walmart because there's a Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger shirt maybe over there. So for seven fifty. Ooh. I'll go back over there. <laughs> Let's see if they're still if they're at my local Walmart. Um. All right, so we'll go with my Power Rangers shirt that i got over there recently Where's oh that? did you see my recent uh, post on the on the blog uh well before i i got on i was doing my regular you know search on ebay look for unsolved mysteries dvds and i found ghosts for 22 dollars and 50 cents yes i did see that how, how much is that one normally uh cheapest i saw before was like 50 bucks or something so yeah pretty good deal these are only going to go up in pri price as years go by. I know some people are trying to say, oh, they'll go down because of the Amazon. I don't think they will because they're the only physical copies. It's a physical of the release, show. you know. I doubt. Yeah. It. I doubt it's no. going to go down. Wow. And there'll always be that collector's market, you know, for stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's not as uh, fucking brutal as fucking nintendo's uh market i tried to get Dep it depends on what you're looking for 
It can be. I tried to get a fucking uh, uh, NES Classic because the last shipments came out to the Best Buys yeah. recently. And, uh, I, scalpers. Scalpers found out about that shit and bought up all the stock. That's what happens every time. God, it fu- it's so annoying. Like, fuck off. Go to hell, you motherfucking scumbags. Like, <laughs> yeah. god damn it, dude. Such fucking, like, just to make up some, some extra bucks, you know? Like. Yeah, and a lot of them don't even want it. They just get it to resell it for double or triple the price. And the only people that support them are other scalpers. The people who are all like, oh, it's, you know, you should have just gotten one. Yeah, but then when I started thinking about it, I was like, I have a fucking original NES. I have a lot of games for it. Shit, I've got games for systems I haven't even fucking played yet. I've got so many Super Nintendo. Like, I have a backlog of Super Nintendo games that I have to fucking, that I just, I really need to play. And, you know, it's just, uh... Getting too old for this shit. Oh, how long (laughs) am I gonna do this for? (laughs) <laughs> how long Mikey how long we're not kids anymore <laughs> Mikey it's getting old with the podcast already the murders we're not making a difference Mikey they're still out there killing you know if we were, if I was from New York at least by default you would have to be called Mikey because I guess it's a rule up north any name you have, you get a Y at the end of it. Yeah. I hope to God I wouldn't be Joshy, though. <laughs> hey, Joshy. Hey, What's Joshy. Uh... <laughs> Slap that ass. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay, here we go. Um. All right, let's do a let's do a quick edit here. Uh, one thirty-eight eighteen. Um, I just wanted to chime in. Uh, I, dude, I feel like this is good enough. I don't think we have to do the Twin Peaks thing this week. Yeah, we could we can do that uh, next week. Yeah, because I'm looking at the time and it's one, we're an hour thirty-eight in. That's yeah. like right right at the time that we normally would do it. So I think I think That's we're fine. good. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to go back in. All right, Mike, let's do a quick break here. One seventeen thirty-two. I got to take a piss. All right. Fuck. <laughs> Mike, are you there? Hey, fuck nuts. I guess you're not. Welcome Saruk. Um Ich wiederhole für dich. Welcome Saruk. Uh I English please. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said welcome back. Uh welcome back. One day we're going to get our timing down and we'll, we'll harmonize something. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, here. Michael Caine. Oh, shit. Just clicked on something <laughs> I didn't want to click on. Okay, Michael Caine. 
Oh, I didn't know that's what I was doing. Ooh, so, the Lost Media Wiki. That's a wiki. That's a pretty cool thing you sent me. I'm going to bookmark this page. Save it for later. It actually is a really cool wiki. So, yeah, so we're talking about the wow signal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll do that first. Okay. Well, this uh, Wikipedia article, I guess I'll do the general. Uh, are you doing the intro thing up here? Yeah. Like what the it, wow signal is, and then are, then you can background. do the background. Then you can do the background. It's not a big. Well, shit. Okay, I just saw that. It is pretty big, yeah. so you might want to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do. Maybe I'll do the. We can we can skip the signal. What if we just skip the signal measurement? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because that's boring, you know. The <laughs> hypothesis yeah. on the signal's origin is more interesting. So we'll yeah, do... Yeah, people are like, what the hell? Signal measurement? Who cares? 23 <laughs> megafarts, fl a fl 62 <laughs> floppa flirts, and 39 fligaflats, you know. No one gives a fuck about <laughs> 29 gigawatts. Uh, so no, we'll nobody, you know... Yeah, we'll do uh, the 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 opening description. You'll do the background. I'm trying to remember what Doc says and and how many gigawatts that is. It doesn't matter. Then I can do <laughs> celestial location. Then maybe we'll go back and forth on the hypothesis of the signal's origin. And then we can do the Twin Peaks thing very quick, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's what it is. One point twenty-one gigawatts. <laughs> gigawatts. Gigawatts, 1.21 You know something called, uh, I think it's called giga, uh, giga flops. I just that sound, actually is a thing? Yeah, that just sounds like you're flopping your wiener out on a table. Just flop. <laughs> flop is a word that I was just or thinking. Or just a flop. It's like a bomb. Yeah, like my last, my, like my Mega Man YouTube video that I just released. That was a fucking flop. I liked it. I thought it was good. The production values were high. You did a great job with the green screen. I appreciate it. And you and two other people thought it was decent. You know, I don't. Do it's just hard. It's hard it to is. get in as a new YouTuber. I'm not even that as, new, it's, though. I mean, even well, I mean, technically, I mean, it's like just to to get a new audience. It's extremely hard. So I mean, that's why I look at what I've gotten, and I'm like, you know, it might not be as much as other people, but. You know, it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good in comparison to some other to quote, channels. To who, quote Shakira, your breasts are so small and humble, so I don't confuse them for mountains. <laughs> 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 That's what you're saying, Mike. <laughs> That's actually a lyric in one of her songs, by the way. My breasts are so small and humble, so you don't confuse them for mountains. Now, how can you have humble breasts? Oh, well, look at your breasts. They're very humble. Now, that is a perfect <laughs> example of someone who e whose English English is their second language because no native exactly. no native English speaker would ever describe somebody's breasts as humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some great bonus shit here. All right, let's get back into this shit. I want to go so I can go to the mall and get me a Philly cheesesteak. Oh, so you have the day off today? Cool. No, no, I got a gig. I got to go to the mall, and then right after the mall, I go to my gig. The gig is right by the mall, so I go to the mall and Okay, eat that's dinner. cool. Yeah. Yeah.